don't hit that skip button because I have huge news for you. The Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt lives. It is here. It is available to purchase. Oh, yes, I'm not kidding. We finally got our Rewind of the Living Dead t-shirt out, and it's amazing. It is printed by the same company that prints for Cavity Colors and Fright Rags, which if you're a hardcore horror fan who buys a lot of horror t-shirts, I know I do, you know that's the very best and highest quality because we couldn't do anything less for our fans. It's an amazing full-color design designed by Jason Ragosta. It's very cool. It features a zombified myself, a zombified Damon, and it looks just like an awesome horror shirt because that's what we want because we're horror fans too. So we wanted to make a t-shirt that you could really sink your teeth into. Go to rewindofthelivingdead.bigcartel.com. Again, that's rewindofthelivingdead.bigcartel.com to get your t-shirt today. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. The opening weekend success for Saw resulted in a sequel being ordered immediately, but director James Wan and collaborator Lee Wanell were already working on their next film titled Dead Silence, so they weren't available. Meanwhile, music video director Darren Lynn Bozeman had just completed work on his first film called The Desperate that shared a lot of similarities to Saw. Bozeman thought his dream was dead, and when Lionsgate came calling, he thought the studio wanted to shut down his film, but instead, they offered him a job. His script was repurposed along with some help from Wanell to transform it into something that fit into the larger Saw universe, and the sequel was official. The film finds a dirty cop at the mercy of the vengeful Jigsaw, with his son locked in a house with a group of ex-convicts he helped put away. What started me in my work? I was determined to test the fabric of human nature. Uh, I never murdered anyone. The decisions are up to them. He's testing us! Who's testing us? He's a serial killer. We have to play by the rules! I'm gonna get out of here. It's not a good idea. Those who don't appreciate life do not deserve life. Do you appreciate yours? Saw 2. Rated R. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to play a game again as we look back at the 2005 sequel, Saw 2. living dead i'm damon martin and i'm patrick guerra and patrick this week we are diving into saw 2 because saw x is coming out in a matter of days at this point and saw x actually takes place between saw 1 which we actually reviewed on this show uh, about a year and a half two years ago uh, and Saw 2, so it's kind of a prequel, kind of a sequel. It's the return of Jigsaw, Tobin Bell, and Shawnee Smith both coming back uh, to the series they helped launch uh, back in the early 2000s. So we thought, why not dive into the film that followed Saw 1, and now technically, I guess, follows Saw X as well. Yeah, why not get a little warm up with some Saw? Saw, one of those uh, beloved early 2000s franchises, um, I remember going down memory lane talking about the original Saw and how absolutely wild of a time it was at the theaters. Um, I, I still to this day think about like in at the end of the original Saw that twist that that Jigsaw was in the room with them the whole time and everybody in the theater just erupting. Like I, I absolutely love 
moments like that, like that, that just, they, they stick in my brain as like, this is a great theater experience. This was something that like, I just could not replicate anywhere else where like a, an entire theater of people lose their mind at a twist. Um, and then I remember thinking like, I gotta see Saw 2 because Saw 1 was so insane. It just was. And I, I remember going to the theater and, and this was still kind of that magic time, Damon, where like you, you couldn't reserve a seat. You had to wait in line outside for an hour, especially on a, on a big premiere night for a big popular movie. This movie did very well. And it's, it's, it was a ride. Like, like I am nostalgic for the days when movies were a pure ride and, and the Saw series for better and worse has always been that. Yeah, Saw is an interesting one because the first one was such a kind of a like a low budget out of nowhere kind of left field hit because, you know, James Wan was not established. Lee Wanell was not established. Now those are two names. If you are involved in filmmaking, you definitely know James Wan and you should know Lee Wanell because he's written a lot of great films. He's acted in films. Uh, he did uh, The Invisible Man a couple of years ago, which we reviewed, Very which is an excellent film. Um so you should know those names, but at the time in 2004, I believe when Saw came out, they were both unknowns. Like no one had ever heard of them. They were just two guys from Australia who made a who made a horror film. Um, and then, like horror does, for better or worse, as you kind of said there, once it's <laughs> successful, man, they just start rolling out. They just they want to move quick, and they literally the next year at Halloween, they're like, we got to get another Saw sequel, and now. I want to say Saw X is the 10th film in the series because they right. just keep going, man. The train just keeps rolling. There is no stopping. And I listen, I don't, you know, with some franchises that are not like, you know, like I, I've liked Saw. I've enjoyed the Saw movies that I've seen. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I've seen them all because I haven't. But I do know that, you know, like any franchise, when you start getting into seven, eight, nine, ten 10 films, um, <laughs> The quality is going to go downhill. It's impossible for it not to. Um, I've said on this show many times that I think Scream is the only franchise I can remember through part six already that all the films have been pretty serviceable. Even saw even Scream three, which is a film that a lot of people don't like. I actually tend to like that film. It's not my favorite in the franchise, but it's still a pretty decent movie. That's a high praise compared to a lot of horror films where you get to like the later parts <laughs> where you're like, man, this is rough. Scream might be the only one. Listen, I'm the biggest fry, I'm the biggest Nightmare on Elm Street fan in the world. Uh, and we did the whole review of the series, and even I couldn't defend Dream Child and Freddy's Dead and the remake and everything. Like, even I'm not that lunatic. Uh, and you'd say the same thing about Friday the thirteenth, which is your favorite series. So there's a good and a bad side. Like when Saw when Saw comes out, like you're like, oh, boom, they're gonna make you know sequels. And this is gonna be a huge franchise. Then you get into like you know nine, ten films. And you're kind of like, is this really still worthwhile? Are we still like at the same point here? Like, does it get old? Does it get drawn out? I will say, and I know we're gonna review Saw X on a, on a later episode when it comes out. But I will say, they've gone back to the well, and and they learned that they learned that the characters that people like and dig and care about are obviously jigsaw played by Tobin bell and Shawnee Smith, who plays, uh, Amanda, his former victim turned acolyte termed, you know, uh, uh, his apprentice. Yeah. At one point in the film series, I don't know if you even know this, Patrick, cause I know you're not like the massive saw fan. They kill both characters <laughs> off. 
at one point. I think it's I Saw didn't 3. know that. Yeah. Thanks for the spoiler, Damon. Yeah, sorry. It's like 15 years past the point. <laughs> Saw 3, they actually kill both characters. So it's weird like how they continue on the series for like five more films past that. Um, but I think they realize that what people like about the, the Saw films are Jigsaw and Amanda. So they're like, all right, let's go back to that well, because you and I reviewed Spiral, the one with Chris Rock, and that mm-hmm. film was not great. Um, it yeah. was, you know, it was, it was all right. It was very, you know, very forgettable when it was over. I was like, yeah, I saw it. I don't need to see it again. And I think they yeah. realized even with Chris Rock, like actually putting some star power back into the film. And that actually had quite a bit of buzz. If you remember, um, I do. I was just, a buzz. It just did not work. And they're kind of like, well, where do we go from here? Uh, let's bring back Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith. But at this point with saw two, this was, just a continuation of the first one in a lot of ways, you know, just kind of rolling into the second film and they didn't overcomplicate it, which I appreciate. They kept it fairly simple. There is a great, we're not, by the way, we're in spoiler territory. The film is you know, at this point, it, we're, we're 18 years past it coming out. We're not hiding anything here. Uh, the twist at the end is I, I always remember the twist at the end of this movie because I was like, even when I saw it the first time and I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or not, but I do remember seeing this the first time and I saw the twist at the end. I was like, oh, that's great. Like it was it was a solid follow up to one of the best twists in film history, in my opinion. Like just talking about the the closing into Saw with the whole, you know, actually Jigsaw's there and been alive the entire time. This, I would say, rivaled it. Certainly not better. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like equal, you know, it's it's like we always talk about, like we we've, we've we've talked on and off the air about our love and we did a review for his last film with M. Night Shyamalan when M. Night Shyamalan did the big twist in the sixth sense which is still talked about to this day as one of the greatest twists in movie history that set the bar so high and it's almost like every film he had come after that he had to try to top it now Unbreakable which is my favorite M. Night Shyamalan film which I actually like better than The Sixth Sense I think had an even better twist but that's my opinion I'd, I'd assume most moviegoers would probably disagree with me my point being is when you set the bar that high you, you have to start trying to top yourself at least with Saw 2 I will say that while they didn't top Saw 1 because I think that's kind of an impossible metric they rivaled it. It was a solid, really good, didn't see it coming twist. And that to me was like, okay, you just made a good film. Now, again, we're not getting into Saw 3, 4, 5, whatever the hell else there is out there. But at least with Saw 2, they made a comparable sequel, in my opinion. They did. And I remember, I did, I definitely remember going to see it in the theater. I remember another packed house, another wild Friday night. And um, and it was and really what I was anticipating more than anything. I wasn't looking for a twist at the time. I wasn't looking for like a way to like um, surprise me with it, with an with the ending. What got me back then was I wanted to see more of the game. That that was the big appeal to me with Jigsaw in the first movie. It's like this guy plays games with people. It was very like seven. And I don't remember the timeline like seven's definitely before Saw, right? Yes. It's like the 90s. Yeah, it was yeah. like 95, so, I think, 96, something like that. Yeah, yeah, like something like that. So it had this like seven vibe to it that was much more like kind of edgy, like a post-Matrix edgy, like weird seven. And so to me, I was like, I really want to see what more what what more games can Jigsaw play for us. 
And of course, you have the iconic uh, uh, puppet. The puppet has a name, right? Uh, Billy? Is the, is, Billy? is the puppet... Is, is it, it Billy? Billy? I don't well, know. I'm, ba- a, I'm bad at the Saw franchise. Billy, Billy is the name of the puppet in Dead Silence, which is also a James Wan film, so maybe I'm getting those mixed up. But I feel like the puppet had a name, but maybe I'm making that up. But yeah, go, be, go on. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, this puppet looked great. Now, if I remember correctly, James Wan actually designed the puppet. Um, the puppet looked great. The character of Jigsaw really had this cool bend to it, and that bend continues here. And you kind of hit the ground running in this movie with uh, with a pretty intense uh, uh, game just to start off with the the, the death mask. And uh, and I loved it. And especially watching it this time around. I loved it. They just went so hard right away because Damon, you know, we know what the the opening of this movie is. This guy's got basically a bear trap on his head, on his neck that is set to close. And if he can't unlock it, he's going to die. And then the twist, I was like, all right, how's this going to go? How's this going to go? And then the twist is the key is in his eyeball. And is he willing to cut his own eye out to get the key to save his own life? Like Jigsaw puts you in a situation to see if you will fight for your own life. Like that's a very intriguing thing. And I don't even think I fully appreciated it at the time, but it drew me in in a way that I don't think um, a lot of a lot of slashers if you want to call this a slasher do it's just like it puts everything in the victim's hands like this 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 entity in the background determines things but you have to you have to go through the horror yourself you have to inflict the horror on yourself that's visceral man that just like pulls you in a whole new direction and the great thing about Juan and company and of course this movie is more darren lynn bozeman's movie than anything else but like the the idea that's just like you're in this trap you want to get out? Cut your eyeball out, or dig right in there and get that and get that key. It just it hits the ground running. It kicks you straight in the nuts. It's a hell of a cold open. It's a great cold open. I don't know if I would call it like one of the most memorable. Like I, I don't know if I just quizzed a random horror person and said, "Tell me your top five cold opens." I don't know if Saw Saw Two does that, but watching it back for this podcast, I was like, "Dude, that." That fucking went right for it. I, I like I respect that they just wanted to come out of the gate running. Yeah, that was a really good one. By the way, it is Billy. The name of the puppet is Billy. It is I Billy. Right. Okay, yeah, good. I was right about that. Yes, Billy the puppet. Um, yeah, no, it, it is a really strong opening, and they set the tone right away. And what I actually loved about that opening scene was after the detective played by Lesser Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> is that his name? Or, no, I always thought it was something. <laughs> yeah, I always um, thought it was the other thing. I just call him less. I just call him Lesser Wahlberg, the non-Mark lesser, Wahlberg. Lesser, Lesser Wahlberg. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg lesser is technically Wal- his name, but I call him Lesser Wahlberg. Uh, lesser Wahlberg uh, discovers where uh, where Jigsaw's hideout is, and he breaks in, and you know he talks about you're a killer, and Jigsaw has a great line where he says, "I've never killed anyone." I just give them a choice. Yeah. I was like real sadistic. I love that line where he yeah. says, it's like, I've never killed anyone. I just give them the choice. And it's a really, yeah. really creepy line that works well, especially when you think back to that opening scene with the guy with the, with the, as you said, kind of like a bear trap with nails on it. And he's got to dig through his own eyeball to get out a key to unlock it, to get himself free. Um, super sadistic, super creepy. And of course we all know that has become a staple of the Saw, the Saw franchise are the traps. 
that's what Jigsaw is known for. And what I appreciate, a couple of things I appreciate about that, and I've appreciated about the Saw films in general. One, it's not supernatural, so there's none of that tied in. It's all human, real human. And then two, it still presents you with a really intriguing, terrifying, yet gruesome premise, right? Like, it's not just a guy chasing you around with a butcher knife. It's not a guy chasing you around with a hatchet or an axe or what we typically think of a slasher. But the creative way that they do the traps and how they kind of position it back to the person who's involved in the trap is 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 super gruesome, super creepy, and it works really well for these films. Now, as we said, there's always too much of a good thing, and you can always go too far. I know that's been like one of the complaints from Saw fans later in the films is they got a little too ridiculous. But by <laughs> Saw 1, which is an incredible premise, into Saw 2, which, by the way, in my opinion, all the traps, all of the setups work really well in this film because we haven't, we're not carbon copying it to the nth degree. We're not to the like part nine. In part two, they still have a lot of fresh ideas. And all of these work really well, particularly as you mentioned that cold open where you don't know anything about this character, but you have this premise where you're like, and they show him the x ray where you see the key in his eye, and you're just like, oh, and it's. What I do love about the Saw films and this one in particular is that you it gets you right away. Like it's like those scenes you see in movies. Like if you have a thing about nails on a chalkboard or fingernails in general, like we talked about this with Boy Behind the Door, other movies that have that. It, there's just a visceral feeling when you see a fingernail getting peeled back or broken off or things. So there's just like yeah. sort of thinking about digging into your own eye to find a key and he grabs that scalpel and you're like, Oh no, he's about to dig into his own eye to get this yeah. key out. It's so nasty. And just so you feel it. It's you feel it. It's like you said a kick in the nuts. Sorry to the, to the female audience out there, but like, it's like when a guy, like when you watch a fight, like I cover UFC for a living, when you watch a dude take a groin shot in a fight, every man around the world winces <laughs> You just feel it, right? Like you feel it, like you feel yeah. for that. You feel that moment when you see someone get kicked in the balls. You feel it. Same kind of thing here when you see a dude about to dig into his head with a scalpel into his eye. You're like, no, no. You're closing your eye. Like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you know what I love? The little detail about that is that when he wakes up, his eye is clearly swollen and infected. Yeah, like it's just this little insult to injury. Like there's no clear. Like it's a great. It's such a great attention to detail. But his it looks like someone went in there and shoved a key back behind his eye, and his eye is reacting very poorly to having a key in it. It's swollen. It's red and yellowish and purplish. And it's so like not only is, do you have to dig into the eye, the eye already looks infected. It looks like it's hurting already. And now you're gonna have to poke into that nasty skin that's inflamed and all fucked up. It's just. That's the kind of devious shit that you get up for in the morning as a horror person, or in yeah. my case, in the afternoon. Like, it's just the way, it's just like what you want out of this shit. And so I just, I don't know, I respect that. And I think this movie across the board tries to keep doing that. I mean, it, it's not perfect at every turn, but it's like, how, yeah, how do we up the ante? But then how do we create a brand new premise around, you know, like J Jigsaw, which is like, okay, we saw what he did the first time. And the first time he was trying to see if people would fight for the life, but he was getting the revenge on the doctor, right? Who I think if I'm not, if I, it sucks that I'm having to try and remember this off the top of my head, the doctor, Carrie Elliott's, uh, he, he was his cancer doctor, right? 
Yeah, I believe it was. I want to say it was like really bad. I want to say it was really poor bedside manner and just like, you know, like there was no compassion or whatever. I can't remember. He was his doctor. He was his oncologist. Yes. Right. And so you're like, okay, he did in the in the first movie. It was about that. It was about like getting revenge on this oncologist. And in this movie, it's it's a different thing. And it's like. I don't know, Damon, dare I say that it's uh it's trying to put jigsaw in more of like a Dexter light where it's like, I'm going after somebody who's bad. I'm punishing you. I'm punishing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm punishing you for your sins. It's kind of a different take. It's a, it's a little bit of a different take than the first movie. This is like, like, let me take my deviousness and use it in a way, use it for good. Cause he, but because what he wants to do is torture a bad cop. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, when you move, because, again, not getting into too deep into, like, what we're going to be talking about with Saw X. If you see, have you seen the trailer for Saw X? Like, I, I think we all have yeah. at this point. Okay. there That that film is taking it back to a more personal level with John and, his, and John Kramer's jigsaw and his cancer diagnosis. And that kind of is, like, where he, it's, again, much like what happens with Carrie Elway's character in the original Saw. It's a much more personal kind of revenge story for him. In Saw 2, this is more about, like you said, like that Dexter, like this is punishing a, a, a bad actor, punishing a bad cop. And it doesn't really have as much to do with John personally, as Jigsaw personally, but that's also what becomes the series. And I think that's a good shift because you can't just make it all about revenge over and over and over again. And even that one about revenge yeah. was also like giving him a choice to survive. You know what I mean? Like he didn't just straight up kill him. Uh, he was cheating on his wife and all the other things we learned in that movie and, you know, how the connection was with Lee Wanell's character and all that kind of stuff. But um, so it was revenge. So it was more personal. This one isn't really personal at all. I mean, it's not like the only personal aspect to Jigsaw in this movie is that he puts his apprentice in the house as like a weapon to use against these people and eventually against Lesser Wahlberg when he shows up to the house uh, <laughs> with, with Shawnee Smith's character, Amanda. So, like, this isn't personal. This is just a teaching lesson. Like, you are a bad cop. You've done bad things as a cop. You've planted evidence. you put people in jail who didn't belong there. Now I'm going to turn the tables on you and something bad's going to happen to you. And also, like, they use his son as a tool to punish the cop. But again, there is almost like a morality to Jigsaw because he doesn't want to punish the kid. The kid's right. the one who is safe the whole time, basically. Like the kid gets pulled out and he's given a antidote and he's put under the oxygen mask and shoved in the safe because Jigsaw wasn't after him. He was after the dad. He just used yeah. him as a tool to get to the dad. So it's like a morality tale in a lot of ways. And I know we we'll, we always talk about story and I hammer on story, I hammer on story. It's my thing. But that's what I appreciate about this sequel is it does take you and it, it keeps the same spirit of the original film, but it doesn't just bludgeon you over the head like, okay, he went after his oncologist. Now he's going to go after his general practitioner in the sequel. Like that would just be like, <laughs> okay, how many doctors and nurses? Like what else are we going to go down this road for? Like his, his cab driver. Tobacco executives. <laughs> yeah. His cab driver wouldn't drop him off for the hospital. Like what are we going to, how deep we're down the personal hole are we going to go here? Um, I appreciate that it became a morality tale. Like, you know, and, and you don't really learn that until very late in the film. Like you don't know the connection. Like you understand Pretty early on when we meet the characters in the house that they're all convicts, they're all ex-cons, they've all served time, they've all been to prison in some form or fashion. 
Then later on, you realize that they were all put away by Lesser Wahlberg. And that's when it starts tying together and the, and the whole... By the way, it's the, Detective Eric Matthews. <laughs> yes, L- Lesser, Lesser Wahlberg. Wahlberg. It's Lesser Wahlberg. Uh, that's when Lesser Wahlberg figures it out. And that's when you really start to see the, the gears start churning as far as like why his son is there and how this whole thing's been orchestrated. And also how it becomes much more personal for Lesser Wahlberg when he knows his son's trapped in there with a bunch of people he erroneously put in prison. It's a really good, it's a really tight, really well done story. And I really dug that about this because they could have gone in a lot of different directions for a sequel. Again, they could have carried it out. And I know they're actually kind of going back to that bite of the apple for the new sequel by saying it's another cancer story, but that this is 10 years later. This is 18 years later. It's okay to kind of revisit that it feels like this would have been the direct sequel of what they're doing with saw X or saw 10 or whatever they're calling it. It would have right. felt a little tired, right? Like, Oh, we're, we're doing the same thing over again with the revenge. Now, 18 years later, we can go back and revisit it and it doesn't feel rehashed or the same story over again. One year later, which is when this film came out, it would have felt that way. And so the fact that they just turned it into what you said, Dexter, punishment. This is a bad guy, and we're going to punish a bad guy. Now, you know, you're using a lot of ex-cons as, as weapons, and they all end up dying minus, like, one person. But, you know, oh, like, yeah. you, He's you, still can't, evil. You, you can't you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, Patrick. <laughs> No, Jigsaw must break eggs. That's his thing. Oh, yes, he's never killed anyone. He's right. But boy, oh, boy, does he love to see people die. He is like at the end of the day, whether you're rooting for him to to teach a bad cop a lesson or not, he's still a complete raging psychopath. And uh, what another thing that I actually really appreciate about uh, Saw 2 is that the perspective changes a little bit. Whereas in the in the in the first movie, you have the Danny Glover detective character who's kind of trying to figure things out. And then you have Carrie Elius and and uh, and um, Lee Winnell, their characters trying to get their find their way out of it. But they're in this one room and that's kind of, you know, they're just doing clues themselves in this one room. Now we expand it to a house and now we expand it to a team of people who are locked up. And you're like, oh, okay, well, this is definitely a different way to to approach this. And their ticking clock is that poison gas that you mentioned. They're all they're all sick with it. They're all getting weaker. They are all close to death and they they have to desperately find the clues. It's the world's worst escape room is what was what is going on right now. And uh, and the dynamic, it sort of like creates a little bit of a like zombie apocalypse dynamic where you've got different people in the room who who are all from different backgrounds who clash in the face of adversity in the face of horror they all clash and there's there's their own little uh, uh character arcs there's their, they have their own villain and then their own twist because there's another villain in the room with them and they don't even know it um I really dug that and and the twist for this movie was that you learn the Amanda character who in the very first movie, uh, had the uh, the the reverse bear trap on her mouth. Um, she decided to become Jigsaw's disciple, and she was in that room with them. The whole I, that was the that was my favorite part. That was my favorite part of the twist when I went to go see it in the theater. Was that Amanda was now working with Jigsaw? I did not see that coming at the time. I was like, "Holy shit, that's fucking cool!" At the time, I just thought, "Wow, it sucks for Amanda that she's got to go through this again." No, it turns out she's she's co-architected this entire devious plan. And when you find out in the end, yes, indeed, Amanda was was helping pull the strings the whole time because her job was basically to make sure that Danny Danny Matthews, the the son of uh, of, of Detective Matthews, got out of there alive. Uh, you know, all, all, 
sending sending detective Matthews on this goose chase that he was never meant to catch up with. Like all it was, it was just a matter of like, actually help me out with this, Damon. All the, the whole point, I guess, was to just keep detective Matthews with jigsaw until what? Okay. So I want to talk about this, getting into what you said, because there were, there were three major twists in this movie. Okay. The first big one is when you discover that, Everything that's happened in the house happened days earlier. This was not live. The cops think they're watching a live video of these people being tortured and killed and all these things happening in the house. It's all been pre-recorded. This has happened days ago. And you get your first clue of that before they actually discover. You get your first, first clue of that when Lesser Wahlberg shows up to the house and he goes in and he's shining his light down. You can see... When he shines the light down on one of the dead people, the hand is already kind of decomposing a little bit. I didn't notice that before. I noticed it on this rewatch. I was like, oh, yeah. if you're paying super close attention, you can see when he kills one of the one of the victims is dead. It's already laying on the ground. He, he shines it down on the, on the hand and you can see the hand is already kind of decomposing, which would not be the case if this just happened within the last couple hours. Because remember, we're talking two hours is what he tells it. When he first shows up, he says, you got two hours. So basically this was all so first off this was all pre-recorded that was the first twist we learned this all happened days earlier he's just setting this up as a way to mentally torture the cop now to your point when Lesser Wahlberg sits down to talk to Jigsaw Jigsaw says to him I just want you to sit down and hear me out and let me talk to you and if you do that You'll find your son safe and sound. Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. The cop could not allow himself to sit there and talk. And, and cause all it was trying to get to what jigsaw, the entire purpose, like the guy, he was basically what jigsaw's entire purpose is, is to make people realize to appreciate life, right? Like that's his whole thing. He had his taken away by cancer. He wants you to appreciate like people who don't appreciate their lives. He wants them to appreciate their lives or at least try to do that because people are on drugs or doing whatever they're doing. They're just throwing their life away and he would give anything to have one more day because he's dying of cancer. It's eating away at him and he's going to die soon. So I think that two hour conversation while the tape is playing is just his like mental torture of going after the cop because it keeps escalating, he keeps talking to him, kind of talking in circles, talking about his cancer, talking about how he lost life, blah, blah, blah. And he eventually gets to the point where they find the files that he had gathered on all the people in the house. And these were all people that lesser Wahlberg had put away erroneously. There were people he set up planted evidence, whatever. And they got put away on his work as a cop. Uh, and they all went to jail for it. Even if they were guilty in some way, shape or form, they didn't, they didn't do what he said they did at that time. And so he put all yeah. these people into prison. So I think that whole thing was just a mental exercise of like testing him and testing him. And he just, he said, when you sit down, if you sit with me right now and talk to me in two hours, your son will be safe and sound. He couldn't do it. And that's when the, yeah. when the clock finally tick, ticks down and the whole thing ends, the safe opened. All he had to do was sit there for the two hours and talk to John. He couldn't do it. Yeah. And I think that's the whole point. He wanted to prove him right. He's like, this guy deserves to be punished, and he can't even, because when he reveals to him that he he's a bad cop and he's done all this stuff, 
he can't even reconcile that. Like he, he doesn't want to admit it. He doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, um, he doesn't want to uh, confess to what he's done. You know what I mean? He's not even willing to do that to save his own son. He's willing to go the hard route, which is beating up Jigsaw, dragging him out. Exactly what Jigsaw knew would happen because this guy yeah. is a dirty, dirty cop. Lesser Wahlberg couldn't handle it. And he dragged him out there. And all he had to do was do exactly what John sat there and said at the beginning. Sit here and talk to me for two hours and your son will be safe and sound. And he couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, the timer runs out and the safe pops open and, and there's his son safe. But it doesn't matter because Detective Matthews could not sit there and just just be a human. He, you know, he had to fucking beat the shit out of uh, out of uh, Jigsaw. And finally, Jigsaw relents and goes, OK, I'll tell you where it's at, because what he wants. Basically, what he's saying is if you're going to play this game this way, my game was to see if you could last and be a human. You can't. So if if you if you if you're taking door number two, door number two leads you into that into that into that same hellhole that I locked all those other people in, and you get to stay there for good. Like yeah. it's it, it's it's a very it's a much more esoteric uh, way of playing the game of Jigsaw's game. Like it's harder to draw that game. You can draw all of his other games pretty much. Yeah, that's a hard one to draw because it's very conceptual. But it was like it was it was a test of humanity and Detective Matthews fails it. So we had, as I said, we had three big twists. The first one, of course, was the fact that this is pre-recorded. It happened days ago, which I thought was a brilliant twist. I loved that. When you figure out it's all tape recorded and they're playing it back, I was like, oh, that was great. Like, what a great way yeah. to just fuck with him. Two, of course, was the fact that Danny was locked in the safe with an oxygen mask on. He was never in danger. I mean, he was in danger in the house, but like he was never... Once that got solved, once the house problem got solved and everyone else was dead and Amanda, obviously at some point Amanda told, you know, turned on Danny or knocked him out or whatever she did to save him, gave him the antidote. And then they took him back to Jigsaw, shoved him in the safe, put the oxygen mask over his face and basically you know, gave him enough air to survive while they fucked with his dad. That is such a brilliant twist. I love that. There's no risk at that point. Like I love, I just, that, that, to, that you said the, the Amanda thing was your favorite. That was my favorite, the pre-recorded thing. And then leading into mm -hmm. his son was there the entire time. All he had to do was do exactly what Jigsaw said. You sit here and talk to me for two hours. You'll find your son safe and sound. Couldn't do it. And then as soon as the timer ran out, boom, safe open. All he had yeah. to do was sit there and not be a piece of shit. And he would have got his <laughs> son back. And so those are the two. And then, of course, the third big one is Amanda is actually an apprentice, an acolyte, a disciple of Jigsaw. And she has her speech because Detective Matthews, Lesser Wahlberg, locked her up. And so it was her test to prove herself to Jigsaw. This was all her idea. This was all her plan because she wanted to get him back for putting her in jail when she didn't deserve it. And so that's why yeah. her voice is on the tape recorder at the end when Lester Wahlberg shows up in there and he's trapped in there and you're her voice. She's like, I found a father, you know, I found someone who loved me and blah, blah, blah. And this was my test. My test was you, Lester Wahlberg. And then he's trapped in there forever and he will die, a, you know, horrendous death, basically starving to death and laying in the ground of a darkened room with his leg chained to a wall. Bye-bye, uh, Lester Wahlberg. So those three twists all all end at the end of the movie. And I, and I, I loved it because I didn't see any of them really coming to be honest. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? Like looking back at, it, I remembered each one as they happened, but I didn't really see any of them coming at the time. Like I definitely didn't see the pre-recorded thing. They did such a good job of hiding that the whole entire time. And the only way you would have picked it up 
is when Lester Wahlberg goes in the house and shines the light and you see the decomposed hand. That's what I caught this time. I was like, oh, shit. If you really paid attention, you would have at least clicked in your head and say, why is that hand decomposed? It just happened like 10 minutes ago or an hour ago. That was my first clue, the first time I ever noticed that, and I've seen this film at least three times, maybe four. Um, That's a good one. Danny being locked in the safe. I certainly didn't see that coming. That one threw me, because once you see the recording, you're kind of like, what the fuck? And then, again, that. And then Amanda, because I was with you. I was like, oh, man, this poor girl. Like, she was in the first film. She got tortured and released, and now she's back in the shit. Man, Jigsaw really has it out for her. And yeah, all three got me and all three work. And I, I love, like I said, even like, even when twists come and I see them coming, I can still enjoy them. Didn't see any of these coming. No, I didn't see shit coming. Now I got a question <laughs> for you, Damon. I, I, I ducked out of the saw series after this. Are the rest of them Amanda as, as the jigsaw killer? No. So part three, if I, so I've only seen through part three, uh, part three, oh, okay. if I remember correctly, both John and Amanda are there and John dies. And then Amanda dies too, at the end of the third one, if I remember correctly. Uh, okay. And so okay. I think that was supposed to be the end, but then it somehow continues to carry on. I care. I know there is like a convoluted weird way. And I think that's why the film started falling apart because it's like, okay, it's not jigsaw and it's not Amanda. What the hell's going on? And I can't remember how it carried on in Saw 4 because I can't. I I've seen beats. I've seen bits and pieces of some of the other films, and I know there's still like the Billy the Puppet, and there's a voice that sounds like Jigsaw, but it's not Jigsaw. So I don't know the whole story. I'm sure there's some Saw historian who's losing his mind or losing <laughs> her mind right now. Listen to this, saying these guys are really fucking this up. Uh, but yeah, I, I know. I know they. I know they die in Saw Three, but it keeps going, and I can't remember how. Wow, I can't believe you'd kill her off in Saw 3. I mean, what do I know? I mean, but it's just like, I like Shawnee Smith as as an actor. I think she's great. And it was like, it, to me, it would have been a no-brainer to just make her the jigsaw for the rest of the series. But yeah. I don't know, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe maybe we're more sophisticated these days. At that time, they were just like, oh, it's got to be somebody different. Like, it has to be a copycat killer or whatever. And I, I don't know. I think, I think it would have been cool to, like, let her take over the series uh, because they painted themselves in the corner in the first one anyway with Tobin Bell dying of cancer. You know, his, yeah. his character dying of cancer is like, well, he's not going to last long. There's, we can only go so long with Jigsaw. He will have to die. Um, so, uh, but, but, it, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike that, that twist to it all, but uh, he's iconic, man. I fucking love Tobin Bell. Like, and I was really, in this movie, very enamored by him. It's because I think there was way more time with him. Obviously, in the first one, most of the time he's face down in a puddle of his own <sighs> fake blood. Um, so in this one, when you're sitting across the table from him and you see that he is he's 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 absolutely maniacal, but he's mentally superior to yeah. Detective Matthews. Like just on every level, he has more philosophical knowledge, he has more humanity, no more knowledge of humanity. He just he can see things on a bigger scale. And he can, and and then he's this criminal mastermind. On top of that, he can he can he can create these these uh, elaborate torture devices and shit like that. So I was definitely way more taken with him in this movie. That's something that I I like over the original. Is the original? He's sort of just in the ether somewhere. Here you get to face him and see just how just how how much of an evil genius he is. 
And I know that Tobin Bell has kind of gotten pigeonholed into this role because this is what he's best known for. It's kind of like, you know, if you're Robert England, you're known for Freddy Krueger, and it's hard for him to escape that. Now, I've seen a lot of things that Robert England has done outside of Nightmare on Elm Street, and I enjoy him very much as an actor. There's actually a great it's documentary good. out there right now called Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Uh, it's on Screenbox about uh, Robert England's career. And, of course, it covers a lot of the nightmare stuff, but he had a career outside of that. But Tobin Bell's kind of the same thing. Do you know where I first saw Tobin Bell? This is a funny story. Do you, know, do you remember, where, like, was Saul the first time you ever saw Tobin Bell? That I know of. So the first time I remember seeing Tobin Bell, he was in one episode of The Sopranos. He plays oh, a no shit. Yeah, they're 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 thinking about taking AJ, their son, to a military academy, and he plays the uh, the commander of that academy, and he interviews with Tony Soprano and his wife, and then he interviews with AJ Soprano, and t- that's Tobin Bell. First time I'd ever seen him, and I remember watching that. And then I saw Saul, and I was like, "Is that the same guy?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> but he's been like he's been in other things, but of course, this is the role he's best known for. Now, Shawnee Smith. I remember her from a little movie from the 80s called Summer School. Do you remember Summer School with Mark Harmon? Summer School, for sure. I love. Yeah. I used to watch it all the time because there was the two guys in there obsessed with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Exactly, like yes. Exactly. Well, Shawnee Smith is in that movie playing a pregnant girl. That's Shawnee Smith. Uh, that's yeah. where I saw her. And then I think I may have told this story during the Saw 1 review a couple of years ago, but I'll tell it now for anyone who didn't hear that or doesn't remember that. I always remember the Saw franchise beyond the first two movies, which I really enjoyed. Years later, I want to say it was like Saw 7. They did a reality show on VH1 called Scream Queens. This is like the like this series that no one remembers. And one of the judges and like the one of the judges and people who are helping the contestants was James Gunn. It's the first time I'd ever heard of James Gunn. And I was like, oh, James Gunn. Okay. And I had no idea who he was. And like, they're like, he was a director. I think it was right when Slither came out, if I'm not mistaken. And they were basically running all these actresses like through tests and acting and blah, blah, blah. And the winner of the competition got a, a guest role, a spot, an acting spot in Saw 7, I think it was. So I always remember that series for that because whoever, whatever show, whatever series that was, the winner got plugged into Scream or into uh, Saw 7 or whatever it was. But I always remember that because James Gunn was one of the main people on the show. And I was like, oh, that, and that was literally the first time I'd ever seen James Gunn was on a reality show judging for Scream Queens. Sorry, I don't know why I was muted. I don't know. Maybe I like hit my button by accident. I was just going to say, <laughs> why, he- did you, why did you go quiet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was say, I was trying to say, um, I I my fondest memory of Shawnee Smith is from Who's Harry Crumb. She plays Nikki oh, Downing because yes. uh, I love John John Candy. I may have even mentioned that in the first Saw movie um, because I was just like, fuck yes, dude, <laughs> it's fucking Nikki Downing. Like, I, like I I just know that movie back and forth, and she's great in it. And she plays kind of his sassy little sidekick that helps him figure everything out. And uh, I, you know, I'm a fucking huge John Candy fan. So for me, it was it was it was a you know double treat to see her in these movies. Yeah, great, great stuff. So, all right, with that being said, Patrick, speaking of which, let's get into categories because we do have quite a bit of categories, including one really fun, also kind of twisted one uh, that we are actually uh, that we are actually going to get involved here in a little bit. But let's kick things off as we do each and every week here on the show and talk about best performance. So, Patrick, what was your best performance in Saw 2? Well, I just happened to be talking about Shawnee Smith because she is my best performance in Saw 2. And then for a very, actually for a very specific reason. 
is that this time around, I knew all the twists. I knew everything that was coming. And I knew, and to me, again, the biggest twist back in the day when I saw it in the movie theater was that Amanda was the killer. So seeing her act as if she's a victim in this movie, knowing full well she's not the victim at all, she was selling it so well. At some point, like it just it just kind of faded from my memory that, oh yeah, she, of course she's like Jigsaw's apprentice here. Like I, I just saw her as one of the victims trying to get through the gauntlet. And I was like, if that isn't the best performance, because I absolutely know what she's up to. I absolutely know everything that's that's going on. It should fall flat. It should feel dead for me. But her ability to convince me, even though I know full well what's going to happen, that she's in just as much peril as everybody else, it had to go to Shawnee Smith this time. Yeah, Shawnee Smith is really good in this movie, and I agree with you. Like, I've seen this movie, as I said, three or four times. I hadn't seen it in a few years, but I've seen it three or four times. And I was in the same boat. Like, I knew the twist. I knew she became the killer. And I was like, man, she really does sell it really well. Like, she doesn't ever give you hints. They don't try to bludgeon you over the head so you figure it out before it happens. She's really strong in that role. And she does kind of become a bit of a leader for the survivors. And you think she's leading them to to safety when in reality she's leading them into doom. Uh, but she does it so well. It's really good. And she's another one. And again... I'm not I'm not judging her career by any stretch of the imagination and I'm not saying that like maybe this isn't just the career she wanted but there's always times when I watch these horror films and I see really strong performances and I'm like man she like people should have given her a better shot doing other things now again I have no idea maybe she yeah. didn't want to do anything else like maybe this is what all she wanted I'm totally fine with that but I kind of go back to the Tobin Bell you know Robert England thing where it's like you kind of get pigeonholed into a role and that's all you're known for um, I think Shawnee Smith could easily be a, a great dramatic actress because she's really good um, in, in everything she's in with this franchise. And I'm like, man, like she's just so strong. Let's see how she does in Saw X. It's been a while. I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her in a while. I don't know what she's been up to. I've been following her career, but she gets another shot in Saw X. Yeah. So for my best performance, originally I was going to give it to Shawnee Smith, but you took that one. And I know sometimes we'll double up and I'll just kind of praise the same person. And I almost went that route with this one because she is really good. But I'm going to go the other side of this. And no, I'm not picking Lesser Wahlberg. I am picking. You're kidding. I am picking uh, Tobin Bell. I think Tobin Bell's performance in this one in particular, because as you said, in the last one, he was really just a disembodied voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a voice on a, on a tape recorder. And then we find out at the end, it's actually a dude. Like we don't know, you know, we don't know anything about him and, and we see little <laughs> flashbacks and things, but again, there's not really a lot required for that. This film, he does a lot of heavy lifting and he actually has to like, he's what's what I think I love most about Tobin Bell's performance. in This movie is ultimately he's in control the entire time, right? Like he really is. He's in control this entire time. But he does such a good job playing feeble and 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 broken because of the cancer and he's dying that he's like, you know, like there's a great moment. One of my one of the scenes that really stood out for me in this film where I was like, this is a devious motherfucker is when he's <laughs> sitting there drinking and he hands he goes up to Lester Wahlberg and he says, can you get me a drink of water? I'm parched. I can't get up. And Lester Wahlberg looks at him like he wants to spit in his face. But yeah. he knows the 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 safe the well being of his son depends on this guy, 
So he has to take the cup from him and go get him water. That to mm. me was like the ultimate fuck you in this film. Like that was Tobin <laughs> Bell. That was Jigsaw being like, I've got your son. He's trapped. You're not going to do what I tell you to do. And you're going to do exactly what I say right now. You're going to get me a, go get me a drink of water, bitch. And he's like, all right. And Lester Wahlberg does it. There was something so devious in that moment that I appreciate. It was such a little thing. And he had to, he had to sell it. He had to sell it. I'm too weak to get up out of this chair. And I think that also works into like the overarching story here is that he here's this feeble, weak, you know, dying man who holds all the power. There's something about that dichotomy that I appreciate. And Tobin Bell plays it so well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you heard what I said earlier. I was I was enthralled by his character this time around. You really got a taste for the maniacal genius that was Jigsaw. Yeah. Let's get into uh, this was, like you said, an escape room from hell. Let's talk about the worst escape escape room partner, because everybody has their faults in this group uh, (laughs) that we that we learn are all ex cons that, that, that are in this house together. So, Patrick, who is the worst escape room partner in saw two i've got to give it to my man xavier now xavier xavier plays more than just the role of a villain he plays the important role of the ultimate misdirection in this movie because this group of people this group of wrongly accused people trapped in jigsaw's house they all want to get out the difference is xavier will use all of them to get himself out and so it takes the heat off Amanda. It's a really smart way to, to misdirect the audience because you're too worried about this crazy motherfucker, Xavier, who is willing to ki- literally kill, and he does kill others to get his way out. He'll do anything to do it. And I was like, well, yeah, shit, I really don't want him on my team because he, he, ha- he will happily throw a nail bat into the back of my head just to get the fuck out of here, and he did it. So, you know, maybe it's the most obvious pick, but I also realized, too, that he played a very important part in making all of us believe he was the biggest thing to worry about in the house beside the traps. And no, in fact, it was Amanda, but you never would have known that because Xavier was the overarching villain while the game was being played. Oh, yeah, he was he was an asshole. Like he was the worst. Like he was just like he was. If Jigsaw didn't get you, Xavier was. Like, it was like there was one mm-hmm. way or the other, and that dude was terrible, and he was doing everything he could to get out of there no matter what it cost. And, yeah, he was awful and definitely not the guy you want on your side. Um, for me, Xavier's the easy answer. I'll give you that. Like, he is the worst guy there, without a doubt. So you're 100% right about that. But I almost, I almost, went, I almost went with Amanda because, you know, she's kind of responsible for everyone being there. Like, in a way, like, she is yeah. the worst. But She probably built most of those tracks. Yeah, but she didn't directly do anything really to anybody. Like, she even warned the guy at the start, Gus, when he's like, you know, when it says, don't turn the case, she says, no, I wouldn't do that. And the guy still looks at the people and gets his head blown off. Like she told him, she warned him. Like, you know, she tried yeah. to warn him in that moment. So in a weird way, she actually tried to save somebody and, and obviously they didn't listen. So my pick, and I, I went kind of the funnier route, but but basically I, I'm being honest about this. My pick is Laura as the worst escaper and partner. You're probably thinking to yourself, which one's Laura? Laura's the blonde girl who's just dying the entire time. She does nothing. She, she provides no support. All she has to do is get dragged around from room to room because she's dying. I'm like, all right, like 
you served no purpose here, lady. Like, you did nothing. You didn't help us solve anything. You didn't help us figure out anything. You just get dragged from room to room. You're bleeding out of your nose. Get out of here. So I say Laura because she served no purpose. <laughs> I like that picture. Just literally dead weight in the movie. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw in an honorable mention here real quick. You know who else would be a fucking real shitty uh, escape room partner? D- Detective Matthews. Fucking hot-headed crooked cop. Willing yeah. to fucking fuck people over to get to get to get a conviction. That's another bad one right there. Yeah, lesser Mar- lesser Wahlberg would be pissed lesser off. Lesser Wahlberg. There. Lesser Wahlberg. Is it that would imply there's a greater Wahlberg, which I don't, I mean, I don't I know mean, if there is. At least Mark Wahlberg's like been in some good movies. He did Boogie Nights. Like that by extension alone makes him far better. Hey, lesser Wahlberg was in fucking Sixth Sense. He was, but he had a very minor role. He wasn't a small dirty. role, but he, he was in a really good movie. And 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 Mark Wahlberg making jokes here was a very big role in Boogie Nights. So uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a very big role in Boogie Nights and an, and another M Night Shyamalan movie, The Chain, The Chain. What was it? The uh, the, the, the happening. happening the how he wasn't happy. But I actually <laughs> like. Uh, here's the thing. I actually like some Mark Wahlberg movies. I do. I actually really like. There's a, quite a few Mark Wahlberg movies I like. I love he, The he, Fighter. I think The Fighter's fantastic. He's great in that. He's great. And he's actually like I said. I mean, he's he's great in that. I'm trying. Oh, Departed. How can I forget The Departed? That yeah, was The Fighter. Departed. Yeah. Those are great. I love Boogie Nights. I do. Yeah. Uh, all like, those movies are great. The, he's not a bad actor. I'm just saying. He's one hundred percent the greater Wahlberg. That's what I'm saying. Like when you when <laughs> you can when you can come up with a line that I quote every like I quote this movie. I quote at least once a month the line from The Departed where Mark Wahlberg is bitching at the guy who didn't put the security cameras in. He's like, "Who the fuck put the security cameras in here?" And he goes, "Oh, who the fuck are you?" And Wahlberg goes. I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> I quote that at least <laughs> once a month. Uh, no, Wahlberg. Yeah, that's why Donnie is the lesser Wahlberg. So I'm sorry. Lesser yeah, Wahlberg. Fair you're, enough. You're getting he, your, he you're, does. You're, you're living your role, lesser Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't get the, the juiciest roles. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I would, I would agree there. All right. Uh, what about best gore? There, there's, there's a fair amount of gore in this movie and it's Saul. So of course there's gore in this movie. I would say there's a little less gore than maybe than saw the original saw, uh, and definitely less gore than Spiral. I think Spiral was like super gory. Uh, when I think about the saw movies that I've actually seen, uh, but I am going to go with Peephole in Your Head. <sighs> so the guy you mentioned earlier, who, who who is not listening to Amanda, looks through the peephole and gets a shot, uh, uh, you know, a revolver shot right through his eye and blows the back of his head out. They 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 use some real good detail. To show off the the gore that's going on in the back of his head, I call me crazy. Is like is gore getting worse? Like faker looking, even practical gore these days doesn't like all the gore in that movie looks so real to me. Yeah, it's like there's a weird transition of time where it's like they couldn't do digital effects yet, and so they're still depending on practical effects. And it felt like they reached a peak. And then it's like we all turned to digital effects for such a long time, and now it's like we're getting back to practical effects a little bit. And so it's like they're kind of relearning the craft. I mean, obviously, there's good people out there, guys like Greg Nicotero and Robert Kurtzman, guys yeah. who've been around and done at practical effects forever. But, yeah, I think it's almost like we went on a curve because in the early 2000s, it started with the digital effects, then it got way overblown with digital effects. And we're still living in a digital effects era uh, but I think practical effects are making a strong comeback with things like Terrifier 2 and, and movies like that where it's like all practical. Yeah, for sure. 
So now my best score, um, and the one that really got me, man, the one that definitely got me in terms of like the, the just the blood, it was so hard. It was actually kind of hard to watch because I could just, I don't know, for some reason I could just feel it, was when Addison goes into the room and she sees the antidote. She sticks her hands oh. into the glass case to reach for the antidote and then tries to pull it back down. And the razor blade, razor closings trap her arms in there. And she keeps kind of trying to jack her, jerk her arms out of there. And it just slices her up and there's blood just pouring down her arms. I don't, I don't know. Certainly I've not been trapped in a contraption like that. So I don't really know (laughs) what it feels like, but I could feel it. Like it was one of those visceral feelings where it's like, you go, it's like I was talking about with like getting hit in the, in the testicles. There's something about that feeling that you just feel it and you're like, oh, that would just be so bad. That would just be so hard to watch. It was so hard to watch and you know it, you know, it doesn't feel good. I'm feeling it right now in like my butt cheeks. Like it's getting me in a weird, like it's super cringe inducing, like the, the, and in the, in the best way possible, like the, the seeing those metal blades, like dig into her arms as she's trying to pull herself out and the blood is pooling in the, in the glass box on top of her. So she's getting painted in this red light, really crafty stuff, like a great, great crafty kill. That wasn't one of the most elaborate ones there. It was actually really simple. Like she just reaches up into a box to get the, to, to get the, uh, antidote. And then she gets stuck on those, on those razor traps just simple and effective and fucking gets right under your skin. Pun yeah, intended. Real, real gruesome. Just, just again, you can feel it. And yeah. it also, also what I appreciated about it was, is it wasn't like gruesome and like, obviously with like the nail mask that like closes on him and you see the blood come spurting out, killed him or even the head beginning blown off kills him. Like that doesn't kill her immediately. Like she's kind of stuck in this trap. Yeah. Like trying to jerk, jerk, trying to jerk out. And she's just like bleeding out. Yeah. Fucking is a really good one. It might yeah, be the best one. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not ranking them, but boy, that's it's up there because of just how fucking how visceral it is. Yeah. Well, to that point, Patrick, what is the best game in Saw in Saw Two? Because there are a lot of games being played here. So, what is your favorite game? The best game in Saw Two? Lots of games being played, Damon. But truth be told, the one game that has stuck with me since the day I watched this movie in the stuck theaters, with you literally stuck with you literally stuck with me is the pit of needles and it's a great sequence it's such a great sequence because i believe it's xavier's game it is but that's when we learn what xavier is willing to do to win this uh, to 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 win in this in this situation it's supposed to be his game where he's supposed to dive into a pit of needles to find the key to open the door well he's like fuck that he grabs amanda and tosses her in there and goes find the fucking key <laughs> and you're just like oh my god she's stuck in a pit with a bunch of uh, hypodermic needles and you just, oh man, it's, it, it is nails on a chalkboard. It's fucking stepping on the nail in the, in the, in the, uh, on the staircase. Like it's just, oh, uh, and she's in there. And, and at first she's kind of like, like, like frozen in place. Cause she's getting stabbed by all these needles. And then she's like, ah, oh, fucking starts going crazy. Like clawing around. Like she's like, fuck it. I'm in here. And she just, she goes for the key. She gets the key. He snatches it and he's still too late and the door locks forever. And I was like, fuck, that's fantastic because they didn't even win the game. Like all that. They went through all that shit and still lost the game. I love it. And that pit of needles, man, it was I was like I was like anticipating it the entire time I was watching. I was like that that moment's going to happen. The pit of needles is going to happen again. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. And there it came. And it was just as effective as the first night I saw it. Pit of needles. I talked about the glass case of emotion with the uh, with the the razor closures, whatever you want to call them. That was pretty nasty. 
nothing made me cringe harder than the pit of needles like that. You can, yeah. Okay. So let me be clear about this. I'm not scared of needles. I, you and I both right, covered in tattoos. We're not, I'm not scared of needles, not scared of needles at all. But still, when you get pricked with a needle, it still doesn't feel good. It's like when you, if you've ever sewed anything and you know, you stick your finger with a sewing needle, it's just like that jolt. You know what I mean? Now yeah. imagine just having like 30 of them stuck in you. And you, uh, it's just like it, it hurts, but it doesn't kill, if that makes sense. Like it just, it, yeah. it's a really, like it's a really unnerving pain. And then watching her fall into that pit of needles and then she pulls up and you see the needles all sticking out of her arms and her fucking body and oh it's just so gross and everybody at some point in their life has been stuck with a hypodermic needle now some people are truly terrified of hypodermic needles i'm not like when we did the whole covid vaccine uh when i first got that i hadn't had a shot in in a while and they came over they're like are you scared of needles it's like i was like look at my arms do i look like i'm scared of needles (laughs) and they just did it and didn't i mean just you know it's a little prick didn't really hurt and it was over you know what i mean like didn't bother me at all but that scene is a whole other level man when you get tossed into a pit of of hypodermic needles man that is oh man that is really hard to watch yeah and i'm not even like i'm with you i'm not even scared of needles i got i have all all the vaccines i had to get a bunch i just went to africa this year so i had to get a bunch more vaccines and like, but there's something about a hypodermic needle. There's a dull pain yeah. and there's a precision. Like you have, you sit still while they give you a shot because it's some, some, you know, somewhere in the back of your mind. You're like, I don't want to jolt. Cause I don't want the needle to like snap off in my body. <laughs> and like, and this couldn't have been a worse situation. Like Amanda's just like slammed on top of a big pile of shitty, dirty needles. And I was like, Oh God, what an awful, awful thing. Yeah, it's whoever came up with that 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 torture device is a real sicko. Yeah, I liked it though; it was great. And I'm with you. I knew it was coming. I'm like, oh, here it comes, and it's going to be bad. So, uh, truth <laughs> be told, much like best performance, this is really the one that got me the pit of needles. But I kind of am cheating a little bit, and I'm going a different way for my favorite game. And when I started thinking about, it, I was trying to think like, is it is it the safe? Is it the uh, you know? Is it the the revolver thing at the, the beginning? And all there's different games being played here. The uh, the furnace game with the total torture. Yeah, the guy furnace was good. But I was like, you know what? I didn't realize the best game of all. My favorite game was the game being played with Detective Matthews with Lesser Wahlberg. As mm-hmm. I said earlier, and I'm not going to reiterate everything again. Jigsaw told him when Lesser Wahlberg sat down, I just want you to sit here and have a conversation with me and talk to me. If you do that, your son will be found safe. Your son, your son will be safe. And sound very literal use of the word safe because he was sitting <laughs> two feet to the next to him in a safe. I was thinking about it today when I was thinking about my answers for tonight's podcast, and I was like, that really was the best game. The gameplay yeah. on Detective on, on Lesser Wahlberg. Because he all he had to do was listen. He had to play Jigsaw's game, which was just talk to me. Listen to me and talk to me like a human being for two hours. You'll get your son back. Couldn't do it. And now he's dead. And I just thought, man, that is the ultimate torture because he'll never know. Like, he'll never know. He'll lay in that room and die and he'll never know what happened. He'll never know his son is perfectly fine. He'll lay there for eight days or however long it takes you to die of starvation and and, uh, lack of water. He'll die never knowing that his son made it out alive. That's oh, that is that is eight shades of fucked up. And that that's like the real maniacal genius of Jigsaw, like that. It's just like. Oh yeah, his his death will be slow and painful, and he will never know that his son is okay. Like yeah. that's fu- it's fucking gut wrenching. 
That is that when I started thinking about it, I was like, that's the game. Like that's the one that really wins. Like that's the one that is just the most messed up, but also like the ultimate, like, oh my God, just like so bad. And talk about a slow, painful death, man. That's just does not that sounds like the least <laughs> amount of fun ever. And by the way, there's all there's like Carrie Elwes and Lee Winnell's rotting bodies in there with him. Well, Carrie Elwes made it out. It's his foot. You no, see his foot it. in yeah. there. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, his rotting foot and 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 Lee Winnell's rotting body. <laughs> and it's just like and it, you know it's it reeks of, of old shit and everything. And you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's just going to be an, a terrible, slow, painful death. Yeah, that's going to suck real bad. So to that point, think about talking about things that suck real bad. Patrick, in his ever-twisted, messed-up jigsaw mind, came up with this next category. I'm going to allow you to introduce it, and then I'm going to allow you to go first with your answer uh, for this next category, Patrick. Damon, I'd like to play a game, if you will. And what I decided was you and I have to create the worst scenario for each other. (laughs) So you are my jigsaw, I am yours. And I have to determine the worst possible game for Damon Martin to play. Now, there's one stipulation I made to this rule. You cannot choose death. Because <laughs> I know Damon. <laughs> Damon sometimes be like, you know what? Just fucking kill me. All right? Just, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to play this game. I'm done. Like, I know you. And I know that. So, so it, in the spirit of Saw, you must fight to live. You must absolutely fight to live. There's no option to get out. You must fight to live. If you fail, you fail. But you're, you're trying to win. So, Damon, would you like to play a game? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Should I go first or you want to go first? No, you go first. Go ahead. I want, I want to hear yours first. All right, Damon. You're going to wake up in a room full of small children. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All of these small children have diarrhea. <laughs> you must safely get them out of this room one by one by carrying them. All the while, Halloween ends, <laughs> plays on an endless loop, but not just the movie. Only Corey scenes. Corey scenes only. Damon, would you like to play this game? Can I use one of the children to cover my head as I run to the building? No, buildings? you cannot. No, they, no. You must successfully remove the diarrhea-ridden children that's, that's <laughs> while watching tr- only the Corey scenes of Halloween. It's really ironic that we know each other this well because when you hear my next, you're going to laugh your ass off because it's <laughs> It's funny. We and go by the way, room. folks, at last night when I pro- when I proposed this to Damon, he goes, "As long as it doesn't have to do with Halloween ends." <laughs> I was like, "Well, <laughs> you're in for a treat." Oh my god! Because <laughs> I, I had already had it written when you said that. That is the ultimate torture, right there. I am not. I do not have children. Do not want children. Never want children. So, children, diarrhea, and Halloween ends is like my ultimate hellscape. <laughs> not uh, just Halloween ends. Corians. Yeah, just Corians. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So yeah, that's yeah, that's I I don't know if I make it out. I might just go I don't know if I I don't know if I die as much as I just go mad in that moment. I might just lose you'd find me like babbling on the floor like eh, Corey, Corey, Corey. Jigs, Jigsaw goes, huh, he just collapsed from an aneurysm, I guess. <laughs> that took about five seconds. Yeah. So uh I've actually written a script for yours, Patrick. So I'm going to turn into my it. best. I'm going to turn into my best jigsaw voice here. So <clears throat> let me get ready for this. <clears throat> Hello, Patrick. I want to play a game. You spent your life as a filmmaker, and yet you choose to critique films that you believe are inferior. If you look around, you'll find yourself in a familiar cabin. It's the same one from the movie Thirty Miles from Nowhere. 
and you'll find oh. as soon as as soon as my voice stops, that film will soon be playing on a repetitive loop. In front of you is a laptop computer. You must produce a glowing four-star review that receives at least a hundred <laughs> likes on Letterboxd, or you'll never leave this room alive. Live or die, <laughs> it's your choice. <laughs> there aren't enough words to fucking dance around making thirty miles from nowhere a good movie. I no. can't believe you fucking pulled that out of the annals of history. You don't have to make it. Hold on. You don't have to write a good. It has to get a hundred likes on Letterbox. So you're not just done oh, writing the review. God. You have to write it so well that enough people actually like it to let you out of here. You know, I, I fancy myself a decent writer, but there's no amount of writing that's going to save that movie. <laughs> it's just not. You know, it's funny. Is the other night, uh, my wife and I were, were sitting down to watch a horror movie, and I was like, on Damon's recommendation, I'm going to go to Peacock because they they just they just stockpiled all the horror movies for Halloween season. And uh, she goes, "Ooh, what's that? Thirty miles from nowhere? What is I? No, we are not watching that. That might be the worst horror movie I've ever seen." So life. for maybe new listeners, because this is going back quite a ways when we were very this early is way on back this is like t- first 10 episodes of the podcast this is going back quite a ways which yeah. all the podcasts are available i always say at the end of the show spotify apple podcast but seriously they are all out there you can go all the way back to our first episode which was the shining in october of 2020 20 yeah, yeah. i think it's 2020 so all the way so almost exactly three years ago Go all the way back, and I think like our 10th, 8th or ninth or 10th episode, we were trying to find, find movies, and I had found a movie uh, on Shudder, I think, at the time, but it's out there other places. You mentioned Peacock, called 30 Miles to Know. And actually, how I found it was, I was reading, I was trying to look for like movies that were like slasher, kind of like newer films that weren't just like iconic slasher films, and I saw this like neo-slasher about this, blah, 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 and I was like, it sounds intriguing. Now, the premise sounded intriguing, so I was like, let's just take a shot on it. Boy, did I miss on that one. That was off target <laughs> by a lot. But I've never heard in all the in all the 150 plus episodes of this podcast, I've never heard Patrick get angrier and more upset <laughs> at a movie than 30 miles. So I know I'm going deep cuts. When you say Halloween ends, it makes sense to everybody because I at least stick in one like I hate Halloween ends at least like <laughs> once an episode. People who don't have not been here all this time may not remember 30 miles from nowhere, but go back and listen to that episode. It's a very early episode. I'm not going to say it's our best because audio, things like that have gotten better over time, but just take some time and listen to the disdain in Patrick's voice reviewing that movie because it is absolutely hilarious. Now, I didn't like it either, to be fair. I certainly didn't like it either, but that is my Halloween ends is your 30 miles from nowhere. So I went a little deep cuts on my saw torture, but that's what I did with yours. So. Oh, God, that's going to suck. <laughs> it's just a, that's a, that's a, that's a shitty game. That's that that's that devious maniacal mind jigsaw getting getting right to the core of me, isn't it? I thought, God wait, damn, I, do I hate I that wake, movie? I thought wake, waking up in the cabin where they filmed it was a good touch. Oh God, yeah, it's a <laughs> shitty cabin too. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I do encourage people to go. I mean, yes, it's not it's not our most polished uh, stuff. It, it kind of audio is not, not as good as it is these days, but I think it's still one of the most entertaining episodes I think we've ever put, put out there. Yeah. So it is a deep cut. I did go deep cuts on this one, but maybe I'm also doing a little advertising for an early episode. So go back and listen to our 30 miles from nowhere episode. It is rather hilarious. 
And that that to me is stuck in my head as like the movie that like tortures Patrick. So yes, that is why you would get tortured by thirty miles from nowhere. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah, I'm not surprised like, that either. I do like though that the way we torture each other is with movies you know both of us hate, which speaks to our <laughs> like speaks to us as like film lovers. That like the way I torture you is with a bad movie. The way you torture me is with a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, without planning that at all. That's how it came out. Yeah, and also yeah. To be clear, we had no idea until right now we had no idea what these plans were so it's uh, that's why when you said halloween is it wasn't because of that i was like it was funny because we both picked films uh to torture <laughs> each other i was like on a repetitive loop and it's the same thing oh, you do. <laughs> cory cutscenes. Oh. oh man i i watch you know what we should do at some point i feel like we need to revisit that movie just like to like like a quick like 10 minute episode of like rewatching it and just like seeing if it's still just as bad now as it was back then. Like, I think it'd be hilarious to revisit that. That's movie a now. good idea. We should do in the near future. We should, we should find some time to, to revisit Halloween ends. No, 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 no. I was talking about 30 miles from nowhere. No, we don't need to <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to do 30 miles from nowhere. Let's do Halloween ends. <laughs> Halloween ends was like a year ago. I don't need to go back there yet. I'm not ready for that. 30 miles from nowhere is three years ago. We got plenty of time to go into that one. Damon, there's no, there is not a worse horror movie that I've seen. Than <laughs> it is, there's it is there's really no bad. way I need to go back and see how that holds up. And you didn't, you didn't like Halloween ends either, but you like torturing me is what it is. So that's why you go back and revisit <laughs> well, that one. Well, we knew the way to each other's heart, didn't we? Yes, we did. So there you go. <laughs> what is, how do you, how do you torture one of your closest friends and podcast co-hosts with movies they hate? Uh, <laughs> all right, Patrick, let's talk about, we're going to be re- obviously reviewing Saw 2 right now, which is a prequel. And in a couple of weeks or in a couple of days, I guess at this point, we're going to be reviewing Saw X, which comes out at the end of September. We will drop our episode a few days after it comes out, of course, like we always do. We know the premise of the movie. It's been in the trailers. I'm not spoiling anything because I haven't seen it. I couldn't spoil it if I wanted to. Um, we know this film takes place between Saw 1 and Saw 2. And basically, John Kramer's Jigsaw gets duped into a cure for his cancer. He finds out it's all a sham, and the people who tricked him are who he's going after. So this is much like Saw 1, a more personal Saw movie. We know that Jigsaw is back, John Kramer, Tobin Bell. We also know that Amanda, Shawnee Smith, is coming back as well. So I guess the category here, Patrick, is what do we want out of this saw x movie because this is technically a new film obviously it is but it's also a film that's sandwiched in between two films that you and i both like quite a bit we like saw too we loved saw the original saw so what do we want out of this film what are we looking for in saw x i think what i'm looking for in saw x more than anything is tobin bell in action because as we said He's laying on the floor face down in Saw 1. He's basically sitting at a desk in Saw 2. So we have this gap in between, which, by the way, I would love it if this movie basically opens on him shutting the door, like, a la the end of Saw. Like, it'd be cool if that's kind of the the beginning of this movie. But I want to see him make his way. Like, I want to see him do the job because he's so good at it. I mean, obviously, may, you know, care for what you wish for. Maybe that the magic of these two movies is that you don't see how he does the job. Yeah. But this is the opportunity for once to see it in action. And as we said, as we talked about Saw 2 tonight, being able to sit across the table from him, you got a taste of his maniacal mind. Well, now I want to see the maniacal mind in action. 
And I hope that's what we get here. And by the way, I hope we get tons of Shawnee Smith. Like it's not just enough. It's not just a little bit like sprinklings. And, and like, I want to see her evolve into choosing to be his protege, choosing to be his acolyte. I want to see how that, how that plays out. You got the two actors, you got the two parts of these movies that I truly love. So use them to their fullest potential. So I agree with everything you just said, uh, more Tobin Bell, which I think we're going to get more Shawnee Smith, which I hope we will get. Um, we know at this point, if you're going in to see Saw X, you already know in your head that Shawnee Smith, Amanda is his acolyte. So I don't think they're going to try to pull any trickery with that. Like, you know, to expose that she was, you know, uh, like, um, uh, another try to twist reveal. We know she's his apprentice. So I don't think they're going to try to pull any of that kind of stuff. My biggest hope is, I know this sounds like a weird one, but my biggest hope is, is that it just fits. It fits mm-hmm. as like an actual, you know, saw 1.5. That's all yeah. I want. Because like, if the traps get too elaborate, so we go from that to saw two, which is technically supposed to take place after saw X, we get the needle pit, we get the gun and the revolver and the peephole, you know, they're all, they're all... You know the 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 the, uh, the furnace. They're all really cruel, but also practical inside the house tricks. Part of what I have heard from other people with the with a lot of the Saw sequels is the traps got so elaborate they got ridiculous. Like they got way too overblown, and it's like, okay, this is like this is stupid at this point. Kind of like what I've heard. Don't do that. Like keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it to your core. Don't make it because if you go too far, it's not gonna fit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if he, he didn't graduate to making the most advanced traps ever in his basically is his real. Really, this is his first one because the first saw is really a more of a cerebral like torture movie. It's not traps like the trap is. Yes, they're yeah. trapped in the room and he left them with a hacksaw to cut off their own legs. But there's no like traps like there's no even like the Amanda trap in the first one's the real trap, like where she's trapped in the bear mask. And, and there's the razor wire gauntlet too. Oh yeah, that one too. Yeah. So I mean, there's a yeah. but again, that's it's more of a like the main plot of the movie is more of a cerebral like messing with you kind of thing until the dude literally hacks off his own leg. What I don't want in this one is somehow there's just this really elaborate you know you know this really elaborate labyrinth of a of a of a puzzle they have to solve because it feels unnatural to where this film takes place in the film universe. And then all I really want out of that is that. Cause I already know the plot, the general plot. I'm okay with that. I don't, you know, it's, I don't need like, you know, I don't need some big mystery at the core of this film or anything. Cause again, this is fitting between saw one and saw two by saw two. When we meet jigsaw and when he's interacting with lesser Wahlberg, he's already dying. So like, you know, like where else are we going to go? Like we need to get to saw two. So just get us there, make it fit. That's my only request. Yeah. Don't go outside yourself. Don't make it so crazy that it doesn't feel genuine. I want it to feel like I watched Saw and then I watched Saw X and then I watched Saw 2 and it all fits as one perfect puzzle, if that makes sense. Now, I know that's a lofty expectation because Saw was really, really good and that was in 2004, I believe. Saw 2 was really, really solid and that was 2005. We're 18 years past that, Patrick. It's never going to be perfect. So I don't need to be perfect but just fit in the universe. Don't go outside yourselves. Don't, you know, don't make the trap so elaborate that it doesn't make sense. 
make Jigsaw and make Amanda fit well together and make it a puzzle piece that actually works in the larger universe. That's my only real request. Yeah, I think it's an easy request because, I mean, when you start a screenplay, you need a beginning and an end first, really even before your middle. Your middle helps you get to the end. But if you know your beginning and you know your end, which, by the way, we know, the beginning of Saw X is the end of the original Saw. The end of Saw X is the beginning of Saw 2. You have your beginning and you have your end. So get us through the middle. That's that's an easy ask. And uh, jo- I believe Josh Stolberg's the writer on this new one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Shout out so. to Josh Stolberg. He's actually, what's that? I said, I believe so. And I think, isn't it Darren Lynn Bozeman's back to direct? If I'm not and mistaken, Darren, Liz- yeah. Darren Lynn Bozeman's directing. Yeah. So, um, you know, these are these are veterans of the Saw franchise. Um, I'm Twitter buddies with Josh Stolberg. I'll, I'll, I'll drop that name here. Um, WGA strong. No, I know he's not. He's not necessarily promoting it right now, but either way, I think your request should be met pretty easily. I'm hope I'm hoping we're going to find out. We'll find out in very short order. Yeah, it's always it's always a risk to go back to the well when you've got a really you know really good franchise that has a solid start. Now again, I know the finish of Jaw of, of Jigsaw or of Saw, I should say didn't go as strong because a, I really haven't had a lot of interest in watching and I've not heard a lot of great things about some of the sequels, but I really like saw one. I really like saw two. So if they're trying to make this one fit as a middle movie to that, just, you know, make it fit. That's my only request. It's like, you know, when they, this isn't a prequel, this is a sequel, but speaking of David Gordon green with Halloween ends, when the original Halloween came out in 2018, like I was excited, but I was also a little scared because I'm like, Oh man, like you're going, you're literally trying to retcon everything that happened after the original 1970 Halloween, which I'll be honest. I didn't totally agree with at the time. I didn't really like that. I'm like, just don't erase history, but make what you can out of it. Then when I saw it and you and I have talked about this on air and off air, like we both really liked the 2018 Halloween. There's only one thing I bump up against them against that movie. It's not like a major thing, but otherwise that's a really good film. Like it's a really, really well done sequel. Um, I still personally love Halloween H2O. I know that's a more divisive film among Halloween fans, but that's another one that kind of did that as well. Although that happened out like they did Halloween one, Halloween two, and then Halloween H2O is kind of like the sequence of that film. I really like that one as well. So it can be done. You can go back into a universe years later and make a and make a quality film. You know what I mean? Like you can. I know those weren't prequels; those were sequels. But it can be done. I guess is what I'm getting at. You can revisit it years after the fact, and it can be it can be a good, solid film. I that's my hope for this one. This one's a little trickier because they're fitting it into a middle of two other films. But they're bringing back what we loved about Saul. They're bringing back Tobin Bell. They're bringing back Shawnee Smith. And it seems like they're sticking to the core principle of what Saul is. And as you said, uh, you know, uh, Darren Lynn Bozeman's back. He's directed a bunch of these films. He seems to understand the universe. Tobin Bell is back. Shawnee Smith is back. I feel like we're going to be at least pleasantly surprised or at least like, happy i guess you know that's my that's my biggest goal i want to leave this film and be like yeah that was a good that was a good puzzle piece to fit in there and i love your idea of the opening being him closing the door on lee one l's character after um carrie elway's escapes and i would love for the end of saw x to be amanda going into the house like walking into the house and like you know and everyone's gonna be knocked out maybe even lesser Wahlberg makes an appearance because what the fuck else is he doing (laughs) these days uh 
Something like that. That would be a cool way to end it, right? Like you lead into Saw 2. I think that'd be a cool, like you, you bookend it. You, the opening is Saw 1, yeah. him closing the door. Saw 2 is her opening the door to go into the house. I think that'd be kind of like a cool transition. I think it'd be great. We'll see. We're, we're very close to finding out. Yeah. All right, Patrick, let's talk about uh, can we survive this horror film? It's one of my favorite categories where you and I, unlike our premises where we truly tortured each other, if we drop ourselves into Saw 2... So we're in the house with Xavier and Danny and Amanda and and the useless girl and all the other people in there. Could we survive this movie? So Patrick, could you survive Saw 2? Considering that I would not be Lester Wahlberg's son, that I'd have to be someone else in that house, there is actually no chance I can survive. (laughs) It was all designed for me to die. That was always the plan. So there was no way out. Uh, the, 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 there was, there's, there's actually no end to the maze. There's no, there's no thing. I might've survived longer than like the minute I saw Xavier start sacrificing other people for, for his gain, I'd be like, Oh, cool. I will get the jump on him, kill him. And then at least take him out. Like I wouldn't, I'd probably survive Xavier, but I can't survive the house because it was never intended for me to get out of there. There was, there was no exit plan for me. There was no game that got me out of the house. I can't survive. Yeah, so I'm not surviving either for that exact reason. Like they didn't the, the 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 house was set up for everyone to die minus Amanda and Danny. So I'm not making out there. But the one thing I will tell you, and I'm not sitting here telling you I'm an ultimate badass by any stretch of the imagination. But Jonas, played by Glenn Plummer, who I like, Glenn Plummer. He's a he's a good actor. He's another one like I could have easily slipped into like a best performance. I really liked him. He's an under underrated actor. He's been a lot of things, and he's kind of like that. Oh, that guy. You know, I know who he is. Uh, he played Jonas. Jonas was kicking Xavier's ass and then he got yeah. sick from the gas. And that's when he got the baseball bat with the nails in the back of the head. Cause he was kicking his ass. Listen, I'm not sitting there saying I'm the ultimate badass, but I'm six foot three. I would take Xavier out. Xavier ain't kicking shit. I will kick his ass quickly. Uh, so I'll survive <laughs> that dude at the very least. I'll throw him into the pit of needles. Uh, but I ain't making it out because there ain't no one going to make it out. Like it, it ain't going to happen. So yeah, I'm like, whether I no, my luck, I'd be the guy to his head blown off by the revolver at the start where they're like, <laughs> don't do that. I'm like what? Uh, but yeah, like, you know, <laughs> hypothetically, if I make it past that, I would stop Xavier, but at some point, you know, they're definitely going to get me, whatever it is. Although I do give credit. It was a cool ending with Danny killing Xavier with the hacksaw from saw one. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. No, it was cool. It was a it was a cool little ending to it. But yeah, there's no way out. Yeah, we're dead. They ain't gonna make it out. But Xavier, you're fucked. Is all I'm saying, buddy. You ain't making. Oh it yeah, out Xavier's either. fucked for sure. Yeah. For he, sure. He ain't getting the hacksaw because we're getting we're getting to him first. <laughs> uh, last category is always Patrick. We always talk about this is a horror movie podcast. After all, is it scary? So Patrick, at the end of the day, Saw Two is it scary? It's scary in the Saw way. Like Saw is different. Saw Saw's from this early two thousands vibe, where it's just it's very like music video, mu- music video y, highly stylized. Like it, it's it's become weirdly a time capsule because it's almost twenty years old at this point. I hate even thinking about that, but truth <sighs> be told, it's a hell of a long time ago that these movies came out. So you sort of see them in this in this sphere that's not as scary. However, what's important to Saw movies is great games, great traps, great torture devices. You get that in Saw 2 in a great way. You get a, the, the big grand game is intriguing and there's fantastic twists. This is what you look for in Saw movies, so it's all there. So in that respect, this movie is Saw scary. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think it is Saw scary. And again, Saw is a different kind of horror movie. It's not trying to get you with jump scares. It's not trying to get you with like those kind of, you know, the, just the, the moments where you're truly terrified in a dark room or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, they're not trying to get you like the Conjuring universe tries to get you. They're not even trying to get you like the way that a lot of slasher movies try to get you with jump scares and things like that. And other movies that are truly terrified me like I, I think. You know, movies like Section uh, Session 9, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time, like that's a really terrifying film in my mind, but totally nothing like Saw. What Saw does is it kind of slips a little bit into the torture porn. Like it's a lot of the blood and the traps mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So it's a little bit of that, which I don't mind that. I, you know, I, like I, obviously, like Hostel is not for everybody. Martyrs, which we've reviewed, is not for everybody. I get that. Saw kind of slips into that universe a little bit, right? Like it's not, it's not that kind of scary. It's more of like the, it's like gateway body horror. It's the, it's the nails getting pulled off kind of horror. Like, you know, can you stand a nail? Can you see like a torture scene of someone getting their fingernail pulled off and not like want to clench your fists and cry? That's where (laughs) Saw fits in. And I'd say by that regard, it is because there's at least a couple of moments in this movie where I cringe. And of course the, the, the trap, the pit trap with the the syringes is at the top of that list. And then the razor, the razor box or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Both of those had me kind of cringing in that moment, particularly the syringes. That's scary to me. You know what I mean? Like not in like I was, you know, scared to turn on the lights and I was trembling in my seat or anything. But like for Saw, which is what Saw is. Yes, it's scary by that measure because that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're dealing with Saw scary here, and I know I know there's way bigger Saw fans out there than us that have seen all the movies. If you've seen any of them and they're good, go ahead and drop us an email and let us know because I I'd like to know which ones to see and which ones to omit because I well, only got so much time in the day to watch horror movies. I don't need to are, watch the the dumb ones. We are eventually going to do the entire Saw franchise, and here's the sad here's the scary part about that, Patrick. We've already done a lot of the good ones because we also we did Saw one and Saw two. We did Spiral, and we're going to do Saw X. That means we got all the other ones stuck in the middle there that we're eventually going to have to get to. Oh, yeah, that sounds like another three or oh, no, another five or six left. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. There's Ooh. ten. We've done. We've done. We've done four. So six more left. Yes. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Rough. <laughs> one of them was 3D. Also, just to let you know on that one, one of them was 3D. So always, only be a- always good when a horror adds 3D. Yeah. As long as it, yeah, as long as it turns into Friday the Thirteenth 3D, where it's literally they're just punching you in the face with things to make it come at the screen, which is still hilarious. So, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. One day, not right now, but we will get to Saw not X today. very soon. Yeah, not today. So we will get to Saw X very soon. So stay tuned for that. Of course, uh, that'll be coming up very soon. We'll get to Saw X, and for now, enjoy our Saw Two review. Want to say a big thank you as always to everyone that tunes into the show. We always appreciate that. If you got questions, comments, moves you'd like us to review, hit us up anytime on email. That is rotlivingdead at gmail.com. That's rot livingdead at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our social media channels. Just search Rewind of the Living Dead on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. We're all over the place on those. And then you can also find the podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcasts, and of course our YouTube channel, which you can search and find under Rewind of the Living Dead. I, I sense a theme here with Rewind of the Living Dead, Patrick. Find us there, mm. subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit us up anytime, and you can also hit us up on our own personal social media channels. I am at Damon Martin, and you are? 
at Director Patrick. And we appreciate everyone that tunes in each and every week to the show. We'll be back next week with another edition of Rewind of the Living Dead. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you then. Peace.